Thanks for downloading the UWA Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Yeek, and with me today, Dr. Tristan Clements. Tristan is a research fellow at the University of Western Australia, working on novel nanoparticle treatments for a range of diseases, including cancer, heart disease burn, and spinal cord injuries. He completed his PhD in 2014 and is now working as a National Health and Medical Research Council Australian Biomedical Fellow. Welcome, Tristan. Hey, Aaron. Thanks very much for having me. I was pretty excited about today, mate. You're such an interesting character. <laughs> if, if, uh, if someone was to look up Tristan Clemens, they would find nanoscientists, founder and business owner of Get Flat, which is bringing legionnaires, legionnaire hats back into fashion, marriage celebrant, and member of the Australian men's hockey team, the Kookaburras. Now, take me back to your, your childhood. Were you, were you a, a kid that just got involved in everything and had an interest in everything? Um, yeah, I probably had a pretty good fear of missing out on things. So I'd <laughs> say yes more than no to, to a lot of opportunities, maybe. Yeah, look, I like to have my hands in a lot of things, and, and that's sort of followed me on into adult life, you could say. Yeah, good on you. And, and I guess for the uh, less informed of us, what is polymer chemistry? Yeah, so polymers polymers are pretty much like plastic materials. So anything you have in your house or anything that like a table or, or a plastic bag, for example, they're all made from polymer materials. Uh, and essentially we're trying to make tiny little particles which are about a thousand times smaller than the width of a human hair. And making those particles on that scale means that we can use them to get inside cells or stay out of cells or maybe even target diseased cells. Uh, and that's the advantage of working on such a small scale as the nanoscale and using polymer materials, which can actually uh, be biodegradable, say, so they break down within the body uh, and then release drugs or, or, or have different functions when they're in there, which is sort of the, the, the main aim of what I do and what our research group here at the UWA does. Yeah, it's such a, a fantastic cause. How, how did you end up in this field? Yeah, it's interesting uh, how I got started with this. Um, uh, so in my undergraduate, I did an undergraduate in nanotechnology, uh, being the course that I studied as a Bachelor of Science. But in terms of getting into research, I, uh, I actually started in central nervous system injury research. That's where my PhD began. Uh, and when I was in my second year of undergrad, a friend of mine was in a car accident uh, and she was a, a quadriplegic, or she is a quadriplegic, sorry, from the, the injuries that she sustained in that accident. Uh, and that was what inspired me to, to try and make a difference in that space, was to try and help Jess out. And uh, that's where I began. Uh, and I remember visiting her at the hospital once up here in Perth uh, and meeting with Lynn Beasley, who has since then been our chief scientist uh, and no longer our chief scientist at WA. But Lynn was a, a fantastic mentor of mine and still is in my research career because at that point, second year of undergraduate, she sort of said like, she actually heads up a spinal research group. And so she said, look, your, your work is going to be really useful in what we're trying to do. Uh, and so she said, come and see me when you finish your, your, um, your undergraduate. We can see what can happen. And so at that stage, Lynn had already moved into being the chief scientist uh, role, but her research group was still going. And so I got in touch with her research group, and that's where it all began for me in terms of uh, a research career. What's that like if when the <laughs> you're a second year and the chief scientist taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, Tristan, you're working on some really impactful stuff here it's how do you take that in and then uh, I guess you know put the rubber to the road and, and make something of that yeah I, I think I think Lynn was just had the had the foresight to see that uh, the importance of nanotechnology can have on uh, I guess spinal cord rehabilitation and spinal cord uh, treatments potentially uh, and that she just could see my passion for that area after seeing how you know what had happened to Jess so um, I think she was able to just have that, that foresight to be able to put those two things together. Yeah. Um, what's really, really cool about uh, Lynn and, and my story is that I was presenting here once at the Science Cafe, which is an event that UWA runs for connecting scientists with school students during Science Week. And um, 
I remember telling this story on the stage to about 350 school students and um and I sort of knew that Lynn might be in the room but hadn't seen her yet and I sort of said oh you know like and I wish if Lynn was here I could sort of uh, thank her for inspiring me to get started and Lynn's right up the back of uh, Winthrop Hall a massive obviously all the alumni would know uh, how big Winthrop Hall is and this little short lady gets up and she, <laughs> she yells out I remember you know what I mean and we had this sort of like Forrest Gump moment where I come off the stage and sort of met her it was pretty cool so amazing um, yeah we've had a, a great relationship ever since then so it's yeah. been great and sort of through that journey have you had I guess mentors and, and people that have led you along that that path yeah look I've been really fortunate um, obviously my work started in central nervous system injury uh, I then do a lot of work in cancer treatments and also in burns and so um, I asked Swaminatha who's probably my my main mentor and supervisor here at UWA, he was my PhD supervisor and now my mentor in my, my research uh, as my, with my fellowship from the National Health and Medical Research Council. So I has been a fantastic supporter, not just of my research, but of me growing a career and actually um, following a good career path and I guess allowing me to play hockey and do all these other things that I do amongst my research. Uh, and then I also work really closely with Fiona Wood, who's the you know well-renowned burn surgeon uh, for our burns treatments and scar tissue applications of the work we do so i've been really fortunate to have some some fantastic people around me who have um i guess taken an interest in my career and actually have taken an interest in supporting me to go go the next step in yeah. in what is a competitive space in academic research and academia yeah it's amazing i, I want to pick up on the professional sports and what you said about academia being very competitive as well but uh, i guess you touched on world-renowned people and world-class but something that really dawned on me is what you're working on is uh it's it's global touch it's global reach so as i understand that might have led to some other opportunities for you perhaps this year yeah that's right and i think that's the the exciting thing about a career in research is there is opportunities to go all over the world right i mean problems like cancer and 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 heart disease and and burns and and central nervous system injuries are affecting not just people in australia they're affecting everyone worldwide so um at the end of this year i'm off to the u.s to take up my next research position so i'll be in chicago uh, working on some similar biomedical sort of chemistry applications uh, for wound healing and for for spinal cord injuries again. So trying, I'm, I'm glad because I'm sort of taking it back to where it all began for me uh, to try and look at some ways to to develop some new materials which can actually help with tissue regeneration. Yeah, fantastic. So obviously don't enjoy the sunny weather in Perth. You want <laughs> cold Chicago weather there at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, look, well, I'm a, I'm a massive sports fan, so I think, yeah, to... To deal with uh, the cold of and the windy city of Chicago, um, I'll have to be able to make sure I'm going to as many Cubs games and Bulls games and uh, Chicago Bears as much as I can. Are you a Bulls fan? Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of sport in general. Yeah. I'm definitely a Cubs fan, so yeah, I think I can learn to be a, a Bulls and a Jordan and Pippen <laughs> fan, fan <laughs> yeah. for sure. How can you not be a Jordan fan? <laughs> so what are, tell me about the teams that you work with. Are they quite um, diverse sorts of people that you're working with? Yeah, look, and that's an, a, a really interesting question because I... Um, Coming towards the end of my hockey career, I guess, uh, I've been able to look back on what we've been able to achieve as a, a Kookaburras unit. And you think about the only unifying thing amongst our Kookaburras team or the hockey team, for example, is that we have, we're interested in, you know, winning games of hockey and playing the best hockey we can together. But we bring guys together from, you know, myself, a PhD research scientist. We've had medical doctors in the group. We've had, you know, right through to bricklayers, coal miners, aeronautical engineers, that sort of stuff in the group. And we have this real sort of spread. Um, and so being able to unify a group like that uh, is sometimes tough uh, and something that I've learned uh, in the ways that we can do that. So I've had this real apprenticeship, I guess you could say, from the Kookaburras program about how to actually function in, in good teams. And I've been able to bring that into my research groups as well, which I think is really exciting. And again, you know, you have people from all walks of life in a, in a research career. 
Um, some are better at communicating ideas. Others are not so good but are fantastic at hands-on science. Some are not so good at writing but are fantastic in other areas. And I think the, the real key to teams and being able to get the best out of teams is making sure that you just highlight people's strengths and make sure they know um, that they're a real valued member of that team and that, that's the most important thing you can do. So you touched on there, uh, I guess, some skills you've taken from the professional sports field into the research and research, vice versa. Have, have you managed to balance the, the two and plus everything else you've got on your plate? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think definitely if we look just at the, the two major spheres of my life, maybe the, the hockey and the, the research, I've been fortunate to have great people around me, first of all. So my supervisor here in, in IRE in my research capacity, he's really supportive of my hockey career and he understands how important that is to me and how important it is to what I'm trying to do on a hockey pitch. And, and likewise, my hockey coaches, uh, you know, I've had Rick Charlesworth, uh, Graham Reid, and now Colin Batch uh, in the Australian program. Those guys have all understood how important my research is to me and really uh, understood that, you know, I'm a, probably a better hockey player because of my research and I'm probably a better scientist because of my hockey. Because, you know, if I have a bad day in the lab, for example, and all my experiments have failed, then I can go out on the hockey pitch and work on something that's pretty meaningful and actually, you know, try and just have some fun with some mates and... And vice versa, if I miss out in a hockey tournament or have an injury, for example, I can really go and get my, my, my teeth into something that's uh, really important to me in terms of my research and actually, um, you know, sort of forget about, you know, maybe some of those downsides that happen with hockey as well. Now, on the pitch, you're a goalie, right? That's right, yeah. How, how did you come to be a goalie? Um, oh, yeah, well, it's actually interesting how I actually started as a goalkeeper. I mean, why I love the position, I love the position because you get a chance to change games, right? You can be the hero or you can be the villain, and I, and I like that aspect of the position, but... How I actually started, I was in Bunbury where I grew up, playing my junior hockey and, and, and school and things like that. And uh, I went down to the, the, the trials for the state championships team. So when you're in Bunbury as a kid, you can come to Perth for three days, represent Bunbury in the state championships in Perth. Um, you get to just pretty much eat McDonald's and hang out and go to the movies and have fun with your mates. And so um, I remember turning up to the trials as an under-13 kid and realising that um, you know, there's probably... You know, 60-odd kids there, and there's only one goalkeeper that turned up. And I knew they'd take two teams, and I thought, well, there's going to be a few kids that are going to miss out on the field, but if there's a second goalkeeper, then you're going to go. So I said, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Um, with not any real experience at it, and uh, jumped in and obviously got picked and off, and, and that's where I started. So so with that example and the science background, obviously you're a man that's pretty good with numbers <laughs> and, and working out the odds. And yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where it all began, yeah, and that's probably where the mix started. <laughs> so t- take me through, what's a typical day for Tristan? What does that look like? Well... I would probably start with saying there's not too many typical days. Um, yeah, they're pretty varied. Uh, look, most most days when we're in a training block, we'll be training in the morning. Come in the lab, we'll have a few meetings maybe with students throughout the day. Um, I'll get in the lab as well and sort of do some some wet chemistry if I can, uh, and then also getting into uh, you know we do a lot of because all of our research is based in uh, biomedical applications, and there might be some cell culture or some work that needs to be done in testing how our materials are working, for example. There's some imaging involved where we work on some of the transmission electron microscopes here which allow us to see down to the nanoscale. And so, yeah, that sort of will make up my day and then maybe hit the gym in the afternoon and then get home and see my wife and, and things like that and maybe do a few chores or cook some dinner if I have time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that might be a day. We also do a lot of other things in terms of research where we're at, at conferences or mm-hmm. preparing talks or, or reading on background literature so you know what you're up to and, mm. and what's coming next, those sort of things, yeah. You mentioned there talking to students things. You, you do sort of, I guess, do the outreach in terms of the pushing the word of science and that as a potential career and you know is that something you enjoy and why why do you keep doing that yeah look i'm a massive advocate for it uh just because i think we we need to encourage students about how cool science is and and 
I honestly believe that, uh, that that science is an amazing career to be in, but it's also a really cool place to be finding out new things. And that's an exciting career path for any kid. And so um, I really take charge of getting out and talking with school students as much as I can, um, obviously with time permitting, but to just let people know about the stoke of, of how good it is to be in a career where you have sort of discovery as, as the main aim of what you're trying to do. Uh, and I think that's a fantastic message to send out to kids. Uh, and I like getting amongst it. And the other thing I think that's great about volunteering your time is is that obviously the kids get something out of it and the students you're talking to do. But I always think with volunteering, you get double back yourself, yeah. you know, f- from, from what you're doing. And I think that's a, a really good thing. And for me, a really good, good grounding experience mm. because... I know I was one once a kid in a science classroom, and and uh, obviously was able to go through to to where I am now. And and if I can help another kid do that, then I think that's fantastic. Mm, so. Fantastic. Now you've just given me flashbacks to the to the playground as a kid and wearing Legionnaires hats. <laughs> so what, what are they? Legionnaire hats. They Legionnaire hats are the the best sun smart hat you can buy. I'm going to put that on the record. <laughs> uh, they're pretty much the old school flap hat that covers the back of your neck. So it looks like a I guess a baseball cap almost with a flap on the back which covers your neck. Um, protects you from the sun yeah um and so yeah that's where get flapped started yeah and so what what is get flapped and yeah so get flapped is a a a business that my wife and i began together uh 2015 we got things going uh and essentially yeah it's just about bringing the flap hat back i used to still wear my one from primary school so i had this this (laughs) this bright red one from primary school that i'd wear when i'm in the garden or down the beach or on patrol at surf club and my wife kind of hated it <laughs> um, and, and I would also then get so excited and talk to people like I'm going to put funky prints on these one day and I'm going to sell them I'm going to try and bring the flap hat back because it kind of went into hiding for a while they used to always be around you know back when yeah. we were at school and so um, they've sort of moved to wide brims and bucket hats a bit and so I said no there's still a place for the flap hat let's bring it back and and Claire is that if essentially she got fed up with me telling this story to friends so we'd be at a coffee for example and I'd tell anyone that would listen that this is what we're going to do it's going to be great <laughs> And they'd hear it for the first time, but Claire, my wife, would hear it, you know, for the 30th, 40th time. And eventually she just got fed up and said, either do something about it or shut up. And <laughs> I went the other way and said, yeah, let's make it happen. And, and yeah, we've grown this really, really cool business, which we're both, um, she's come around. She obviously loves it now. And it's something that's just been really exciting for us to do together, a really cool journey. And the response has been good? Yeah, we've been really, really lucky. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you, I remember our first order we put in, you know, we got 550 hats or something across wow. uh, in our first um, order. And I thought, geez, I'm going to be stuck here with 450 of these and <laughs> not know what to do with them. But um, fortunately, they went went like hotcakes. And then, yeah, we've been able to expand the range and get different patterns. And what's been great about it is working with, uh, you know, some local charities here in, in Western Australia mainly, but um, partnering with charities, partnering with artists, getting some exposure about their work. Yeah, um, that's been really, really cool as well. Just yeah. And the thing that I found about it, I love talking to people and meeting with people. And you, 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 it's amazing how people can connect you in, in sort of that space and sort of you, you talk about an idea and they say, oh, I've got a mate who can do this or mm. I've got a mate who can do that and they're just willing to get involved because it's a cool project so it's mm. been fun. It's awesome. I had one of the bright red ones as well so I can relate to that. You might might be able to pull it back out when you're sitting courtside at the ball. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same colours. Yeah. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong but you're a marriage celebrant as well as a bit of a side hustle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In so spare time? I do do a little bit of marriage celebrancy, you could say. Uh, and so I've done, let me think, I probably got started about 2015 as well i can't remember the exact date but um i've done 24 weddings now in my yeah, time wow. and mainly just got into it for some friends of mine who were at a wedding and talking about how you know geez that celebrant gig i could do that and we're having some laughs with they were engaged at the time we we're just talking about how funny it would be to have sort of a tag team and i had a fr- another friend who i was like oh we could have a gopro on our head and have celebrant view and all these sort of funny <laughs> ideas that we were talking about but 
I haven't never done that yet, but um, essentially that's where it started. And I sort of did my course and uh, and was celebrant for some really, really good friends of mine for their wedding, which was fantastic. And then once you get started, then sort of people hear about it and they're like, oh, my brother's friend's cousin's sister is interested in you as a celebrant. And you're like, oh, well, okay, I'll take it. And it just keeps snowballing from there. So it's a really cool industry to be in because essentially like everyone loves a wedding and so yeah. you get a chance to be amongst that and sort of see how people prepare for their days and it's been great. So Now you don't have to, don't give me any names, but have you had any bizarre weddings or bizarre venues or anything like that or, or uh, memorable tales from weddings? Oh, look, they've always been fantastic. So out of all the ones I've done, they've never been a hiccup. So that's, a, <laughs> I'll definitely go on the record saying that as well. Um, oh, I guess one that was pretty interesting was we had a, um, we had an, an elopement, which was over, over on Rotnest. Uh, and I remember thinking that this would be, like obviously I hadn't done one before and I remember thinking this might be a bit bit boring you know like just the, literally they had the the couple myself was a celebrant the photographer was the uh one of the witnesses and then my wife Claire who came along she was the other witness right wow. so that was it so it was a really really small sort of uh, shindig on the beach and what was amazing though it was such a touching ceremony right and I didn't have that thought when I first went into it what was really cool it was in uh, school holidays time and um we were just on one of the little bays there in in Rotnest and people were sort of swimming in the background because we sort of had our backs to the ocean, but people were sort of like floating out um, to get a good view of what was going on. And then when I announced them as husband and wife, um, you know, it was just me, myself and Claire and the photographer sort of having a little clap. And then um, all these people that were watching, you know, on their bikes or in the ocean behind started cheering and clapping wow. as well. And, and it really spooked them because they were like, oh, geez, people are, <laughs> people are actually involved in what we're doing here anyway. So, yeah, that was a pretty interesting one, I guess. But for me, it's it's more about just doing it with, you know, it's great to be a part of the story with friends and family because, um, you know, when you have those photos and you look back in 10 years' time and you're talking with their kids going, look, I married your mum and dad, that sort of stuff is going to be cool. Yeah, fantastic. Something that's pretty consistent for me in, in your story is just touching lives, I guess, whether it's Get Flapped or your, or your research and marriage celebrant. So I want to circle back to the the research and what's what's your vision? What Where would you like to see all the, I guess, all the hard yards going towards and yeah, what would be the ultimate for uh, you? Yeah, I think uh, that's a, a really good question. For me, um, what people sometimes don't understand is that what we're doing in the lab now in terms of an experimental sort of biomedical space in terms of drug delivery, say, is that it's a, it's a fairly long pipeline for something mm. to be working in my lab to then getting through to being in clinical practice mm. and actually being in, in uh, I guess, you know the clinic and so you know that's really uh, where I'd like to see some of the things that I actually work on making a difference in medicine and so if we think about cancer treatments for example we're working on alternatives to chemotherapy and mm. you know everyone has been touched by cancer in some way whether it's a loved one or, or a friend that they've known who's been through uh, chemo treatment for example and and we're looking at ways to reduce some of those side effects and make it uh, you know a more targeted therapy essentially and so being able to work on something like that and actually seeing that in the clinic making difference to patients is where I'd like to see my work get to. Uh, and that's what drives me to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Tristan, I, I could go all day because you're just <laughs> such an interesting man, but I think we're just about out of time. So I'm going to say thank you and, yeah, all the best with the move and keep in touch. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Aaron. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. At UWA, we help connect alumni with each other in our university through regular events on campus, across Australia and the globe. To ensure you don't miss out on events near you, make sure your contact details are up to date and follow UW Alumni on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.